Good afternoon, Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, and welcome to our Faith Lab podcast. This is Margot Richardson, and I'm here with Lori Rabel. Um, this week, we're continuing with our new preaching series that we're calling Letters to a New Church. And in this preaching series, we are um, pretty much working through a lot of the epistles in the Bible and focusing on Paul and the life of Paul and his ministry. Last week, we talked about how Paul became Paul. We talked about who Saul was and Paul's conversion. And this week, we find ourselves um, diving into Paul's ministry, active ministry, writing to different places, which is what we see the majority in the New Testament. And so Lori's going to read our scripture for us today from 1 Corinthians. Thanks, Margo. It was hard to choose just one part of this letter. It's the the it's technically the second letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, in Corinth um, but it's titled as 1 Corinthians. And Paul's in a pickle because he's not there and he's really trying to give some advice and guidance to uh, the early church. They're trying to figure out how uh, to live in a way that aligns with what they know to be true about who Jesus is. And so I've chosen this, this part of the letter that talks about how they make decisions around food. But really, this is just an example of uh, Paul's approach to how they do anything as, as faithful people. So let's listen to this. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it starts at verse 23. Here we go. All things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Do not seek your own advantage, but that of the other. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the grounds of conscience, for the earth and its fullness are the Lord's. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it out of consideration for the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I mean the other's conscience, not your own. For why should my liberty be subject to the judgment of someone else's conscience. If I partake with thankfulness, why should I be denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, so that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Amen. Amen. So Lori, I think it might be fun for us to talk a little bit about the bigger picture of this first. So as you mentioned before you read this scripture, this is, this is a letter that Paul wrote to some people in Corinth, right? But, but why do those people matter? Why was this letter written? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're somebody that really wants to understand who Paul was and why Paul is so important to our faith today, um, you should open up your Bible and look at a map and understand that Paul's letters and ones that we know he actually wrote were, were often written before the Gospels themselves, right? So 
Paul understood uh, the story of Jesus. He was considered an apostle, and he's the one that is establishing small home church, house church communities all, all over uh, the Roman Empire, per se. So Corinth is this metropolis. It's this, this place of intersection and, and diversity. It's uh, one time I read, it's, it's like Las Vegas, New York, and Miami all rolled up into one. And it's the place where it's happening. And it's, uh, it's very diverse religiously, um, culturally, uh, socioeconomically. And yet there is this, this new church community that is influenced by the world all around them. Uh, they, are, they are of that world. And yet they're trying to align their lives and to be faithful according to what they know to be true about God in, in Christ. So um, let's say that Paul visited the church in the year 49, you know, not long after Jesus's death, writes a letter to the church about Corinth because they're going all over the place. They're sideways on what does it mean to be married? Can, can women um, show their hair in church? Um, can women lead, which they do? Um, it, what food are we allowed to eat? Um, how are we to approach sexuality and, and intimacy? And Paul's trying to map all of these things out. And um, so he writes a letter to them. They write a letter back. They, they misunderstand his original letter. And so the one we're reading now is his second attempt to, to get it right. And it was written like three or four years later, like in 51 or 52. And um, he's addressing two things. He's addressing uh, the, un the unity of the church. Um, basically, he's saying like, you people need to stick together. Uh, and there's also some concern uh, for his own authority. They basically are saying like, look, why do we have to listen to you anyway, Paul? Clearly, you're not here dealing with what we're dealing with. So that's the tenor of the letter. And to me, it's one of the most helpful letters uh, that we can find if you consider our world right now in many of the issues we, we are facing as, as Christian people who um, are met with, you know, diversity and the beauty of creation and what it means to intersect um, with people of other faith and traditions and cultures. Yeah, and as... As Christians, right, Lord, we don't use these letters necessarily as a rule book for us today, for us in, in 2021 in Charlotte, North Carolina at Selwyn Prez, right? We don't, um, we look at it a little bit differently now. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah. So like, this is where we get in trouble is when we start picking apart Paul's letters and it doesn't take you long to get into this book where, um, Paul is, is talking about sexual Im, Im, immorta immorality, I almost said immortality, <laughs> sexual immorality, um, marriage, divorce, head coverings, gender, leadership in the church. And these texts are misappropriated and used uh, to oppress and um, really damage um, people's faith because they're contextualized in a way that, that's incorrect. So this is not a manual for how to live in 2021. Paul's theology is, is what we find that so beautiful and, and helpful to us. And again, that, that's why we landed on this text today, because he, he really is saying, uh, be gracious to the people you're with. Uh, 
whatever you do, uh, do it for God's glory. And that, that is as simple as to what food you eat. Um, and if it has been dedicated in some spiritual way uh, through sacrifice, uh, and how, how we associate our bodies with our faith, you know, so um, when we approach intimacy and sexuality, um, our bodies are connected to our souls. And so if you choose to be intimate in any way, um, is it in a way that's whole and, and healthy <laughs> and sacred in some way? And in this culture, our culture, which is just so over-sexualized, that's probably a good message, you know, no matter how you approach intimacy. I think those are all really good points, Lori. There's a lot in this text that's sticking out to me today because of where we are in our world right now. And one of the things that I'm thinking about is the way we judge and point fingers at others and not necessarily just others of different traditions or, um, you know, this text is definitely talking about people of different faiths and but other Christians like how as Christians we have pointed and judged and as a result it's a very obvious result because you can see the visible splits amongst denominations across our country and our world um, from from pointing fingers and from judging I mean how, how many times have you wanted to say well like yeah I mean I'm, I'm Christian but I, I'm not one of those I'm not one of those Christians, right? <laughs> right? And some of that has to do with the fractured nation, nature of our, our culture and our, and our political system uh, right now. But that's existed long before, you know, the 2000s in America. I mean, how many denominations are there in the world? I used to know it, but it's thousands, you know, um, and people take their toys and go home or, or start a new church as, as soon as we can agree on, well, what does it mean to behave faithfully? Who's, who's invited to the table and, and who's not? And if they aren't doing things our way, then they're not, they're not faithful. They're not the real Christians. And I think in some ways, like the choice to talk about food, we, I can't not think about the communion table uh, in the ways that different denominations approach um, the Lord's table, you know? And so if you want to get into the specifics, um, Paul is saying like, if that meat has been sacrificed in their religion, in the name of, you know, to a Greek or Roman God, then, then don't eat that, not because you, not because of your conscience, but because of theirs, saying that like in honor of, of what they, they believe about that meat, don't eat that meat. If it hadn't been sacrificed, go for it, you know, because it, it is, um, it belongs to God and God is giving it to you for your nourishment. And so as somebody that, uh, is married to a Catholic and has been to mass with, with him and his family before, this is helpful to me. I don't partake in, in mass, um, when I'm in a Catholic church, because I want to honor their tradition and what they believe to be true about communion, which is slightly different than what, and than what we celebrate in, and we proclaim in, in our tradition. So, uh, it's, I'm, I'm liberated by that. Uh, and I'm honoring what they believe to be true about God and, and who is the same God that, that I worship. I wonder what it would be like if we, if we lived that out, like, as we talked about earlier, this text being a calling of, um, living out your faith in everything you do from 
how you use your body to what you eat, to who you greet and how you greet them, uh, who you welcome. Um, and I wonder what that means for us today, um, coming out of a pandemic, starting to be around people more while there's still a lot of division in our country week after week, a lot of pain and hurt. We love to just point the fingers at who's causing that pain and hurt. But I wonder what that, what that could mean for, for our community as we reflect this week on what it means to be a church, which we know is more than just in our building at Selwyn. It's how we live out our lives in our careers and with raising our children and with our friends and neighbors down the road. Um, and I think that this is, I think that, that ultimately that's for me, what, what this text is, cause, is calling me to think about is my faith is, more, is obviously more than a, than a Sunday thing. It's more than a praying before bedtime thing. It, it's a living and breathing and embodiment thing um, that has to do with how I, how I move around in this world. I appreciate that, Margot. I think you're on the right track. And to me, the very last sentence of the text, uh, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I mean, it's slightly narcissistic, but beyond that, um, Paul is breaking all the barriers and boundaries. He's, he's telling the early church that you need to go eat with people that sacrifice to other gods and love other gods. And um, don't live by the same rules of morality that, you know, that, that you are to be out in the world, creating and building lasting relationships where you're breaking bread together and eating together in ways that just create space for the Holy Spirit to show up by your actions, not what you, not what you say, just by being gracious and, and embracing and, and eating together in ways that break all the rules. Well, it, it's no wonder the church, you know, they were really questioning whether Paul had gone cuckoo or not. Uh, they, they didn't like that, you know, and so the rest of the letter has some conflict in it. And, and having said that, Paul's not necessarily off the hook. If you keep reading, uh, he misses the mark uh, when it comes to, to gender and, and the detail. But remember that this was back in, you know, 52. <laughs> so again, it's not a rule book. It's a it's a book of, of theology and application. You know, Margo, 1 Corinthians is the place where we find that all too familiar wedding passage, you know, in, in chapter 13, um, the one that says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That passage, although it's nice in the midst of a wedding, is, is really meant for the early church as a guide to how they are called to live their lives out in the world, not, not just amongst themselves, but in a really complicated city that was full of affluence and classism and um, various religions and just the most diverse place in the region. So maybe as we close this podcast for the week, the question should be, 
what does love look like for our hurting and broken world right now? How are you specifically called to transcend barriers um, to reach out to love someone that that maybe doesn't fit your bill or live in your zip code? Thanks, Lori. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for an opportunity to see your word breathed in a new way for ways that words written to a church long ago can still breathe life and importance to our church today. God, we pray for our hurting country, for those who need love, for those who are grieving, for those who are angry, for those who are questioning. God, I ask that you be with all of us. Let your presence be known so that we can, can do what Paul talks about, eat with those who are different than us, reach out to others, judge less, point fingers less, and try ultimately to, to reflect you a little bit more. We pray all these things in your son Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you all on Sunday. Thanks. Have a, great week. Have a good week.